punches away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Gets the ball. scored. in the corner. Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. Round four is coming up later tonight, so we will have all the team changes and analysis to help you with last-minute tips. We're also discussing our favourite, not-very-good players, sorry, not sorry, the best try-saving tackles ever, and how the 18th player for concussions is good in theory, but poor in execution. To help me with this, I'm joined by Kieran Gibson and Miles Stedman. Guys, right off off the top of the show, I uh, I need to apologise to the uh, to the audience for last week. We didn't manage to get a recording done for the round three of the NRL Premiership uh, this year. Uh, and the truth of the matter is, I've already spoken to uh, Kieran and Miles about this, but um, I had a bit of a, a bum week with my mental health and. Thankfully, I've I've got a lot of very good support around me in my personal life and in this podcast. As Miles and Kieran were both very happy to postpone and skip for a week, so thank you to you both for that. Um, and of course, if anyone is struggling with mental health, call Lifeline on thirteen eleven fourteen. Miles, uh, that was maybe a little bit of a, a dry opening to the to the podcast, but I I do have uh, something else to share with with you. Uh, I, I noticed that I've been a very naughty boy. I did not uh, check my iTunes uh, for this show, but we did receive a five-star review from a user called Davey788. They it titled Great Analysis, five stars, but I do have a bone to pick with you, Miles. I have, I have a question for you, Miles, because in, the, in their comment, they say, very much enjoying the show, lads, from one rugby league pod to another. Keep up the good work. Also, get Miles's butler on as a sideline commentator if you can afford him. Cheers, Eamon. Miles, what, there's got to be a story there. Like, do you, A, do you have a butler? And B, what's going on there? Uh, no comment, largely. But um, uh, please do go and get around uh, the voluntary tackle. Uh, fantastic rugby league podcast. Um, and uh, look, if, if Eamon wants to explain a bit more on his show... He can go ahead and do that, but uh, you're not going to get anything from me. We may need to drop a, a five-star review on on TVT, which stands for, of course, the Voluntary Tackle. Uh, great to have them listening. Thanks very much for that, Eamon. Sorry for the slow response. He sent that through on the 20th of November, guys. I <laughs> just thought I'd just drop it at the end of March. Kieran, uh, I actually bumped into a fan of yours. Uh, I was taking your brother, Owen. Shout out to Owen, to uh, Urban Climb at West End in Brisbane. And uh, someone that listens to the show recognized my voice. Uh, do explain. It was uh, a Phoebe, Phoebe Cochran. Um, she's actually, she lives down in Canberra, but she's now a big fan of the pod. Um, and she has the rare luxury of not only getting to enjoy the pod, but getting to enjoy watch her team on the weekend, which is not something that any of us have. Uh, but yeah, shout out to Phoebe. <laughs> yeah, she was very friendly, and I, I've got to be honest, it's the first time I've ever been recognised for anything other than uh, you know being friends with somebody. I, I felt like a celebrity. It was fantastic. <laughs> so thank you to Phoebe, uh, and thank you for listening. Uh, on an, another personal note, I suppose because uh, we both either live in, or we all either live in Sydney or in Brisbane. Hopefully, everyone was able to stay safe from the floods and hopefully everyone's staying safe during the current lockdown in Brisbane. But let's jump into the first half of this podcast Uh, from round three, guys. What did you learn, Kieran? What did you learn in round three? Um, I guess this is something that that was sort of a given, but I I think it's, uh, it just was rubber stamped on the weekend. RTS could seriously win the Dally M once more. He had another brilliant showing against the Raiders um, this week, and this weekend he has a tantalising matchup with Tedesco. And honestly, I, I think there could be calls at the end of the season that if RTS had stayed in the game, he could have overtaken. It's all ifs and buts and maybes, but he could have over- overtaken Tedesco as the best fullback and maybe player in the comp. He's absolutely one of my favourites. I, I love seeing him go well. Miles, what did you learn this week? Well, I, I've, I've sort of got a similar answer to Kieran in that we we didn't learn it explicitly this week uh 
but it was it was sort of reinforced and that the good teams use the rules to their advantage and and what we learned in 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 particular rather on the weekend was that um good good teams this year are going to use the scrum rules to their advantage being able to set the scrum where they please the the good teams will use it uh better than the not so good teams and and many of the winners from this week and prior weeks i guess also have used set piece scrum rules to score uh either on play one or, or the very next plan. And I don't expect that to be any different this week. I think we'll see a lot of that again. On that note, I know that Anthony Seabold is not the most popular person going around uh, rugby league circles, particularly in this part of the world in Brisbane. But uh, he, he does a fantastic show uh, with Zach Bailey on NRL.com called The Game Plan once a week. And this week they talk about scrum attacking pieces. And uh, if, like Miles, you do enjoy uh, a tactical scrum, then I strongly recommend checking out that video. Far be it from us to uh, point people away from listening to our podcast. Listen to this first and then <laughs> go and check out The Game Plan for this week. Uh, something that I learned this week, um, I learned that the Roosters' top four aspirations are almost certainly cooked with significant injuries to key players making it seem kind of impossible to go with the likes of the Storm, Panthers, Rabbitohs, Eels and Raiders for an entire season. So while I initially had them probably sneaking in about fourth or fifth, I think they're dead set certainties to be sixth or maybe slightly lower. Let's jump into the wildcard awards for this round, for round three. Mine, I'll start with mine. Mine is a joint award. Uh, it's the Matt Singh Award for Best Try Saver. I hope I'm not salting anyone's game here. Um, and it goes to both Viliami Kikau and the aforementioned Roger Tuovasa Shek. Um, Kikau still breaks my heart as a Cowboys fan, I've got to admit. But that, that effort to dislodge uh, the ball from Justin Ollum's hands just as the siren was about to sound... Uh, was just fantastic. And we're seeing an increase in this sort of last-ditch tackle of people knowing exactly where the ball is and playing for it, like two of us affected on Rapana, uh, like Kikau did, like Gutherson did about three or four times the previous round. And Matt Singh would surely be smiling knowing that a whole bunch of people are copying the move that he made popular. So the Matt Singh award for best try ever goes to Viliami Kikau and Roger Tulvasa-Shek. Miles, what is your wildcard award for this week? Well, I'm bringing back another old, uh, olden day wildcard award as well, and that's the uh, the Aaron Woods Award for never going out of fashion, and that's uh, going to Tyrone May this week, who I know is not the most popular player in the NRL, but look, he's he sure as hell proved the value of a, a damn good utility. He moonlighted as as fullback against the Storm this or last week now, and and he did so well enough that his team secured the win, and he does return to the bench this week, yes, but I, I think the Panthers will be better, better for it. Yeah, um, it's interesting that he has not been given another crack at fullback this week with the team list named. Uh, <laughs> Stephen Critic Crichton is going to get an opportunity there. Uh, but yeah, he did do a fine job and a, and a match-winning job as it turns out. Kieran, what is your wildcard award? I've got one that's a bit of a, a positional switch as well um, going on from Tyron May. And I've got the life's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get, which goes to Murata Niakore. He had nice. another superb showing at centre for the thank you for the eels on the weekend. <laughs> I didn't expect much from the big man offensively, but he's played out of position for two weeks in a row, uh, and both times you would have sworn that he's played centre his whole life. So he's becoming a, a favourite player of mine to watch, and just brilliant again. And he will make for a, a very interesting uh, option in fantasy leagues or super coach leagues if he gets dual position. Uh, that Gidley flick to. Uh, to Blake Ferguson to score was an excellent moment. Let's jump into the news. Uh, first cap off the rank, there are three teams who are 0-3, meaning they played three games and lost all three. That's the Cowboys, Bulldogs, and Seagulls. Each of us are going to pick the very first thing we would immediately change to the Cowboys. And I'll start off first. For the Cowboys, I'm actually really encouraged with the team list that I saw for round four. I'm glad that Todd Payton isn't sitting there on his laurels and and just knows that he has time. He's moved Hampton into halfback, which is an interesting one. Uh, And look, I'm usually the first to shit on uh, Jake Granville, but he at least has been turning up with some effort. My one thing, my thing that I would immediately change, and I've got a feeling I'll get some help here from Kieran, is get Cohen Hess out of the team. (laughs) 
it's it's high time someone of his physical attributes was sent to reserve grade to learn how to use his talents and advantages properly. He's been a passenger for too many years. Kieran, have I taken the words out of your mouth? You, you have, and I have to agree with everything you said. I I, I wrote that um, Peyton has to get rid of underperforming players, and that's exactly what he did for this round four clash, as you said. But I don't even know if that's going to be enough. I've heard a lot. I have quite a few friends uh, in Brisbane that are grew up in Townsville, and they say it's a culture thing. I don't know what Peyton can really do to change that. That's not something that can be immediately done, but that that is something that also needs to be changed. Uh, Maguire, after the Titans game, not to go on too much, but he just said, uh, it's just very disappointing. He said that the boys show up on a Monday and you can see that the effort's not there. They they don't really try as hard as they can. And he sa- as he said, if, if you want to win a football game, you're not going to if you're not trying your best. Look, uh, it doesn't take a lot of talent to stop the Titans from scoring 44 points. That's an effort problem. Miles, would you agree with that? Yeah, well, I mean, b- before uh, Tuesday, I would have said that the the one thing that needs to change is the team, and, and that has changed, and it's good to see some... You know, even though Ben Hampton is perhaps not the most talented um, offensive uh, talent in the league, at least there is some inertia there in the halves, and... And look, hopefully it does think for the Cowboys because I, I certainly take no pleasure in seeing them get thumped each week. Uh, I, I suggest you have a little bit more pleasure than Kieran and I do. Let's, <laughs> let's jump to the uh, let's jump to the Bulldogs, uh, perennial underdogs, I suppose you'd say uh, in the last couple of seasons. Miles, what is the uh, first thing that you'd change at at uh, Canterbury at Belmore? Well, look, I. I, I I was skeptical about Trent Barrett coming into the season, and I, I know it's easy to say that now that they're zero and three. But I certainly continue to to grow more dubious as, as the weeks go on. And the the slow footed Bulldogs were crushed even by the Lely Broncos last week. And and oddly enough, Barrett's chosen to to go even slower this week. He, he's sl- subbed in Lachlan Lewis for for Jake Avarillo at five eighth. And I, I know Avarillo hasn't been great thus far, but I, I think that's because he's playing too far off the ball. Personally, I. I would move him to halfback and perhaps a bit closer to the scrum base, touch the football a bit more and and get those uh, those vital touches when he's got some space and, and have the larger Kyle Flanagan closer to the middle of the field where he can utilise that, that good lane running that he's shown and, and good um, backup play. So I, I thought it was quite odd to see him dubbed from the team altogether. I, I would have perhaps switched them around. Interesting. I've got something on a similar train of thought. I might jump to you first, though, Kieran. What's something that you would change about the Bulldogs straight away? I had exactly what Miles had. I said I think it was a very strange option to drop Jake Avarillo, uh, and I absolutely agree that he he was someone that needs to get more um, time on the ball rather than getting no time at all. Uh, and other than that, I think they really need to assess their their last play options. A lot of the time, the ball goes to Flanagan, and he just kind of puts up a bomb that um, lands. If they're inside the twenty, and it just lands about ten meters out from the line, it's not really putting any pressure on the uh, on the uh, defense. Um, at least not near the try line, which is really where you want the ball coming down. So they need to work on their last play options a bit as well. I actually, I can see some sense in bringing in Lachlan Lewis. I'm a big Jake Avarillo fan, and I was very disappointed that he got dropped because I had to sub him out of my fantasy team. But uh, I, I don't mind Lachlan Lewis as a player, mainly because they don't have a playmaking fullback, no matter which way you look. You've got Meany, Allen, Hopawate, Kotrick. They're all not playmaking fullbacks. Avarillo is not really a playmaker at 5'8 either, either. And when you have their hookers being Jerry, Jerry Marshall King and Sione Katoa, again, not playmakers. Everything falls on Kyle Flanagan. I don't mind Lachlan Lewis coming into the team, but I would convert him into a hooker. I'm not convinced that Marshall King or Katoa uh, have got what it takes, to be honest. Um, and I think Lewis has the toughness, the hunger, and good enough skills that he could transfer into that role with some success, leaving a 5'8 role for a, a skillful young player uh, like Jack Averillo to, to really grow into the role. So I think we're all thinking along similar lines there. It's all to do with playmaking and about getting the hands, uh, the, the right players with their hands on the ball. So interesting we've landed there. I'll be curious to see if we are the same with the Seagulls. I might start with you, Kieran. For the Seagulls, uh, what's the first thing you would change? Um, well, look, first of all, they, they do boast the captain of the worst Maroons team ever. So if he can drag 
um, that team to a, a, an Origin Series win, he maybe the, there's a chance he can drag at what is at the moment the worst NRL team back from the doldrums, and it won't seem such a bad start as Hasler has alluded to. But um, honestly, though, I think they have they they still have a, a fair chance of doing something in this competition, not the top eight. But I, I can see them getting um, off the bottom of the ladder. They have big forwards in Paseca and Tapao. Um, they can get a roll on, and uh, they do have the worst set completion in the comp with 68%. So if they can just hold on to the ball, I do believe there is enough talent there to pick themselves off the bottom of the ladder. Now, Miles, I'm just wondering, uh, how do you feel about Kieran constantly bringing up uh, the Queensland victory <laughs> from last year? Well, look, you know, you can... You can bring it up as often as you want. I, I will maintain it's the worst uh, Queensland team ever, but that's just because I love to kind of shit on Freddie and and he lost to that team. So, look, bring it up all you will, guys. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let's uh, let's see what your thoughts are about the Seagulls, uh, a team that you uh, you live sort of uh, in the Sydney area. Uh, what, what sort of changes would you make there? Well, I actually don't have a whole lot to add from what uh, Kieran said, but uh, one thing I would say is I would... Uh, what I would change is I would amputate Tom Trebojevic's legs and replace them with uh, some sort of like Darth Vader style uh, bionic legs so that he doesn't find a way to suffer any more of those lower body injuries because goodness gracious, they need him back real bad right now. Just uh, just trading the legs of that bloke that beat him in that race, <laughs> that shopping mall. Uh, that'll, that'll do the trick. He's a bit quicker. That'd be even, that'd be an upgrade. Um, look, <laughs> I'm an unabashed fan and he was one of my favorite players of the previous decade but i think kieran foreign needs to be moved out of 5 8 I, I love the guy I, I love his skill on the ball i love the way he's aggressive uh he has a good short kicking game uh and there's no doubt that he's a tough cookie but he just lacks that speed laterally to handle fast fullbacks out the back of block plays um Maybe he can be of some service at dummy half or in the middle where lateral speed is less important, um, a la Benji Marshall at Souths. Uh, so I personally would go with Cade Cust at 5'8", now that Josh Schuster has made himself a bit of a home at left second row there. I'd go with Cade Cust at 5'8". I'd move Foran to the bench, and I would be hoping to get a really strong 20 or 30 minutes out of Foran each week, a bit like, as I said, Benji Marshall, because I just, while I think he's a fantastic player, I just don't think he has the legs anymore. And the amount of times he's getting caught out by the Matt Dufties or the Brian Pappenhausens or the AJ Brimsons of the world, it's, it's just going to hurt the Seagulls more and more. So I'd be moving another 5'8 to Hooker. That seems to be a bit of a thing for me. Watch out, uh, Scott Drinkwater. You're going into number nine next. <laughs> uh, while we're talking about the current teams uh, who have not done that well, Miles, during the week you, you mentioned you wanted to talk about uh, teams that are currently between third and ninth who have all won two out of three games. And as we know, Meatloaf says that two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> but which... <laughs> that wasn't scripted, by the way. I'm sorry about that one. <laughs> uh, can I uh, can I ask you guys, because you asked us during the week, Miles, uh, which, which one or which bunch of those teams that are sitting third to ninth are not going to make finals? Um, I've got the Dragons missing out for sure. I think they're up to third, maybe even, somewhere like that on the ladder. Um, oh, they're fifth. But, um, yeah, I can't see them making it, with, uh, especially with Ben Hunt having that fibula injury. He was uh, such a huge part of getting the two wins that they had. And, and um, quite convincingly, even if they only beat the Cowboys by seven, it was a, a good performance. Um, and then I, I have the other two that it would be between uh, is the Titans and the Knights. Um I think that you guys will probably have fairly similar, but I can see the Storm and Warriors getting into the eight, and then um, maybe even one of the another team as a smoky below them. So um, if the Knights and Titans can't find consistency soon, I think that they will have to really beware because I know the Titans have won um, two games in a row now, but they've beaten the Broncos and the Cowboys, so the jury's still out on them for mine. And the Knights still look like a team that can't find consistency in this competition. I, I know that they were facing a, a Tiger side that were 0-2 and, and they only lost by four points, I think it was. But I, I just, I'm still not convinced by the Knights. So, um, yeah, uh, at the moment I would have the Storm and the Warriors replacing at least uh, the Dragons and the Knights and I'd probably have the Titans just squeezing in. 
I love your optimism, by the way. You're, you're such a Cowboys fan being like, look, the Warriors and the Storm from outside there and look, maybe another Smokey. <laughs> yeah, I know that you're calling the Cowboys a Smokey. I know you remember 2015 where they lost the first three games. I don't think Ben Hampton is uh, is Jonathan Thurston, though. Miles, <laughs> uh, which team, which teams do you have missing the uh, missing the eight from that third to ninth range? It's the Roosters, Titans, Dragons, Raiders, Rabbitohs, Knights, and Warriors. Well, I um, it, it could very well be multiple teams, but if I was forced to pick one, I'd actually say the Titans. I think that um, if you if you weigh up how impressive those sort of bubble teams have been over the first three weeks of the seasons i'd say that the the titans have actually probably been least impressive given the opposition they've played they yes they've won uh two games and that cowboys game was an absolute shellacking and and maybe a a a corner turner for them and uh but that they kind of squeaked out and went over the broncos wasn't very impressive then they lost to the warriors in uh week one away from home so look i i think if they they're I could just see the the dragons somehow scraping into eighth with a, a very experienced head coach. No one gave him much of a, a shout at the start of the season, but he's a, you know he's a very experienced coach in, in Anthony Griffin. Uh, Justin Holbrook, not so much. Yes, he has that Super League experience, but new to the NRL, much younger team. I, I could see the dragons perhaps upsetting the Titans in the last week of the the season. Uh, I'm not sure if they play each other. Sorry, but. Um, and and nabbing that eighth position, um, uh, I don't know if any other teams from outside the eight will make it. Sadly, maybe the Warriors, but uh, obviously the Storm. You, you're pretty certainly going to finish in the eight, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was the Titans who missed out. Yeah, I've I've got the Dragons missing out. I just don't think they have the cattle, um, particularly in their forward pack. I, I just don't see them. And look, if Jack DeBellin does not get a reprieve in his court case and uh, and does not feature in their season, and even if he does, you'd have to assume he's a bit short of a run. Um, I, I don't see them having the legs to go the distance. So... I'm sticking pretty close to my prediction that they will be at least a bottom four team. Um, I like the Warriors. I like the Titans. I accept they haven't had much of a challenge this thus far, but you can only play against who you play against. The Storm are definite to get in there, surely. So I think the other team that misses out, and it sounds like I might be a little bit... Uh, unpopular here, but I think the Knights, I, I, I have not been impressed by the Knights. Uh, I I did not expect them to beat the Warriors, and they did. Um, I actually didn't expect them to beat the Bulldogs. Uh, that's so how low my faith is, and perhaps they proved me wrong there, but getting done by the Tigers at home for one of their players' 300th game, that's the kind of game the Knights never lost uh, back in the day, particularly against a team like the Tigers, who were... 0-2 and, and not looking particularly good and they're looking for a bottom four finish uh, I, I just there's something about the Knights I can't see them making it so from that nine I would say it's the Dragons and the Knights to miss out with the Storm and the Warriors sneaking into the eight from here uh, but thank you all for your thoughts let's move on to the next news item does the Dally M system need a rejig? Thanks for that question, Kieran. Uh, you can start us off if you like. Do you think it needs a rejig? Uh, most definitely, and we've gone, we have gone another round with more counts of ineptitude. Um, I, I don't even have to uh, say what Kiri stats were in that Tigers win in round two over uh, the Roosters versus the Tigers in that game, but somehow Dane Laurie was given in a losing side a point by Sam Thiday. Uh, a week after Darren Lockyer also gave a player uh, a point to Anthony Milford, um, who was the player uh, in a losing side. Uh, maybe they just know the pain of losing being Broncos fans and want to give a player on a losing side something to cheer, <laughs> cheer about. A glimmer of hope. Um, but honestly, it, it has to be changed. Uh, we saw last year how Whiten won, and I think everyone thought that Gutherson was going to get it for his performance uh, against the Tigers um, in that Eels-Tigers game. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not exactly sure what should be done, but definitely for starters, Lockyer should not have been adjudicating on a Broncos game. Yeah, that's that's absolutely a key point too. The way we have players with a vested interest, I might just jump in a little bit there on that one because to me it just seems ridiculous that one person with unconscious biases 
sometimes, will be deciding these things. Halfbacks vote for halfbacks, fullbacks for fullbacks, blues for blues, and maroons for maroons. I don't understand how this model of voting has lasted this long. So I'm absolutely in favour of it. Miles, are you also in favour of a rejig? Yeah, look, absolutely. Um, I can't comprehend that we have ex-players voting on the the on the, the award uh, for starters, let alone, you know, obviously everyone's going to have bias and invested interests, but look, I, I, for me, the AFL system works just fine. A 3 2 one decided by the, uh, the umpires or in our case, the referees at the end of the game, that that's fine by me. And I, I don't see why that wouldn't work in the NRL. Yeah. The, the referees by their very nature have to be unbiased. Uh, and of course they're going to have maybe slight favorites. They all do. Everyone does, right? Like you ask any parent, they'll tell you they don't have a favorite kid, but they absolutely do. <laughs> they absolutely do. Right. So, um, and I'm speaking as a non-favorite kid. That's okay. Um, but <laughs> like, surely, yes, you're right. The referees surely would be able to, uh, I, I think there's another way potentially. Um, I think in this day and age, particularly it's, it's reasonable to expect a panel and the panel could be three people, it could be five, but there's the same panel for an entire round or an entire year, right? Maybe you have 10 and you only have five people from that panel each week and they sort of rotate through or something like that, depending on availability, right? But it's not that hard in this day and age, if you're getting paid to do it, to watch eight games of rugby league that do not clash in time frames in any way, you can even give them a few days extra to get their votes in, but those five people can deliberate on each game. And yes, it would be painful sometimes and it would take hours potentially and a bit of a time-consuming venture, but I think you'll get a better result. I think a more accurate result. I think Kiri gets that vote instead of Dane Laurie. Um, and I don't think Milford gets one for that round one Broncos game in that case. And Tedesco not getting player of the match in that round one game was ridiculous as well. Gutherson was probably the player of the round in round two. He didn't get any points either. Just ludicrous stuff. Um, so yeah, I think it's high time that we absolutely change that one up. But speaking of changes, there has been one. It was announced yesterday that the NRL are going to have an 18th player available from round five for concussion replacements. For this to happen, it will require three HIA, three HIAs in the same game from the same team for them to access their 18th player, who will be a development player, whatever that means. Uh, and that player will be rotated with other development players seemingly at random uh, throughout the year. Miles, is it a good call? Yeah, sure. I don't have any problem with it. This is this is one of those things that I'm not particularly passionate about. Um, I, I don't don't get me wrong. I'm I'm absolutely um, in favour of making sure we have the safest game we, we possibly can. Um, but mm. I yeah, it's just not something I'm that um, uh, passionate and not an issue I'm that passionate about. I I'm happy enough to support it. And I think as it was pointed out, um, I, I think that that three HIAs from from one team instances only happen once or twice since it was brought in. So it's, it's not like it's going to impact too many games at all. Which makes it feel kind of pointless to me. Kieran, what's what's your view on all this? I think just in the case that when it does happen, as it did for the Sharks on the weekend, I think it's a good idea. But I really don't understand the uh, it having to be a development player. I understand that they don't have as much skill and maybe it gives a bit more of an unfair advantage if you can bring on a, a more experienced player uh, who's fresh. But... The Sharks were down to nobody on the bench for that second half and they got tailed up in the second half. I, I think, I, I don't see that the Eels would have seen it as an unfair advantage if they did have someone, um, Andrew Fafida, for instance, if he was able to, to come off the bench um, as the 18th man. Uh, and I, I think if you're worried about um, players milking it, if they do fake a HIA for another fr- an 18th man fresh player to come on, you could say that if they fail their HIA, they're definitely rubbed out of the next game. Yeah, I, I think that's probably one way to actually really truly police this. Uh, as Miles correctly points out, I, I think the Sharks game last week is the only example uh, since HIAs have come in uh, in the past couple of years, especially since all the talk about the game getting too fast and too many injuries and yada, yada, yada. The fact of the matter is it's the only game that would have qualified. So like, you know, yeah, like sure the Sharks get like some kid in there that would have helped them on that day. They probably wouldn't have won anyway. 
uh, I don't see it being a practical rule. I think it's I think it's a PR exercise personally. Um, so um, look, it, it's, I agree with you, Miles. Fantastic to have them taking uh, HIA seriously and concussion seriously. I don't think they're actually taking it seriously, though. I think they're rushing through a rule just to make it look like they're taking it seriously. But time will tell. If, if, if teams start having three HIAs, then maybe it'll be a great opportunity for some kids coming through. The next point that we have is that uh, after the Melbourne Storm complaints about Paul Kent's accusations that Craig Bellamy fosters a culture of illegal tackles, is it time... Journalists and rugby league commentators were held more accountable for their remarks in order to lessen hyperbole and sensationalism. Kieran, you came up with this one. Uh, I assume you have a, a point to point to prove here. I absolutely do. And uh, I, I don't watch NRL 360 much. Um, I think I watched it the whole of 2017 and I actually felt a bit depressed at the end of the year. And I think it was largely due to that show, to be honest. Um <laughs> Kentism, yeah. <laughs> I've hardly watched it since, but I, every time I do hear little snip, snippets of it, um, I just can't understand how uh, Paul Ken can sit on his high chair and feel he can say whatever he wants. He he went he zoned in hard on Craig Bellamy and said that he's the creator of the chicken wing tackle, the crusher tackle. That he said specifically like the ankle twister, and I was like, there is just literally no chance any any coach is teaching that to their players. Um, and I think Munster hit the nail on the head when he said it was a, a disrespectful thing to say about a club. And if Kent or anyone else has a problem with it, they should go and talk to that person personally, not have a whinge on a panel. Uh, I'd be curious to expand on this one, but I might get your th- thoughts first, Miles. Uh, is it time that journalists and regularly commentators were held more accountable for their remarks? Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Sorry, Kieran. Um, <laughs> But look, I, you know, NRL 360, I don't watch it either. Um, it's not my sort of, uh, it's, um, I, I guess it's not uh, targeted at, at my sort of uh, media demographic. I'm not a big, uh, you know, panel show person or, or broadcast news watcher. But look, I no, I'm, I, I, again, you could say the foot, shoes on the other foot, if the Storm have a problem with what Portland's saying, they could very easily take, take him to court for defamation or... Or Craig Bellamy could could file a suit against Paul Ken if they they think that uh, what he said is uh, untrue and disparaging. So you know he has he has a right to say it. It's his job. He he's he's there to foster discussion about the the game. And um, if it's untrue, then uh, come after him legally. If it's not, then uh, I don't know why the, the the storm have bothered to uh, to complain about. I mean, t- to be honest, people have been saying this for years now, 10, 15 years. The storm of uh, perhaps a little bit liberal when it comes to the tackle rules, so I don't know why now of, of all times they've uh, they've chosen to get nose out of joint about it. I'm somewhere in the middle of both of you. I, Kieran, I'm with you in saying that I hate this sort of shit. I hate sensationalism. I hate all that sort of stuff. But I also understand what Miles is saying is that you know that's it's their job um it's a shit job I don't like that they have that job I hate that they get paid a lot of money to do that job while I don't get paid anything to provide something a bit more balanced um to (laughs) to the sport um but I think it's I I wonder legally what we can do at this point to to shut it down Uh, I mean I think it's supply and demand at this point if you keep consuming dribble from News Corp, which is what, the Korea Mail, the Australian, the Daily Telegraph, most shows on Fox, and also, I mean, the, the presenters on Channel 9 that aren't much better, then they are going to keep producing this content. I've recently, personally, boycotted all written forms of News Corp material, and I feel much better about it. You mentioned that in 2017, <laughs> you had a small depression at, at like the, the Paul Kent effect, right? That dude is just, he's always so negative. Um, I still have avenues for opinion and analysis via other means when it comes to rugby league um, and I hope as above the horizontal we contribute to that space in a meaningful way for some people like Phoebe uh, and Andrew <laughs> and of course Owen who uh, who chose to uh, chose to listen to us and we thank them for that let's uh, let's move forward to the next point which is does the NRL need video reviewing and forward pass tech technology miles what do you think is i mean i don't know if it's even possible but i guess the the question sort of spawns from the fact that the warriors had a very narrow win against a depleted raiders and there was 
I think, a pretty obvious howler there that was allowed to play on for a try where Harry Paranara was more or less in line with it. He stopped as if he was going to rule forward pass and then just went on and gave them a try. Um, do you think we need some video reviewing for forward passes? Uh, video reviewing, no, because uh, I think video can lie depending on... Uh, I mean, you're making a, a call on an... Uh uh, you met on an, an angular ruling, so a video can absolutely lie. But there's there is technology out there that can track it. They have it in soccer. They have it in uh, uh, American football. And those the for all intents and purposes, they're the world's two biggest sports. And so there's no reason that uh, sooner or later it can't come to to rugby as well. Um, uh, and yeah, I do think we need it. You know, there are people out there that think that we need less technology in the game and not more. That's fine. I, I, personally, I'm I'm on the side that. Uh, we do whatever it, it takes to get the right call. I, personally, I don't mind waiting two or three minutes uh, at the end of a, particularly at the end of a game, if it gets the right call. I, I, don't, I don't mind. Just just get the right call. That's surely the way there's the, the, the least bitching possible. Kieran, would you agree with Miles on that one? I would absolutely agree. And as you said, what would you rather bitch about? The fact that we don't get to review the call because there's no forward pass technology or, or the fact that we at least get to, to review the call. Like, you shouldn't be just having a whinge just because the game stopped um and yeah as you said that 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 raiders warriors game was a prime example of why we need the forward pass technology i would only like to see it implemented in two cases one if there is a video review for a try like could have occurred uh on the weekend with the warriors raiders game uh which may have given the raiders uh a 3-0 start to the season or if there's a captain's challenge, if it is so blatantly obvious and Josh Hodgson runs up to the referee and says, I want to challenge that, and you do have the technology available, then great. I'm a bit disappointed that we have three on-field officials and they should be able to manage this. If they can manage it and touch football pretty well and, and sports like that, I don't see why this is a problem. I'm personally, I love the speed of the game. I don't want it to slow down. I am more interested in developing the skills of referees. But if the technology is available and it is used in those very specific cases of really on tries and for captain's challenges, then I'm okay with it as long as the stuff's accurate. Um, but, you know, I mean, do we expect the NRL to fork out money on something useful? Who knows? <laughs> Let's go to our last news point, which is... Uh, Viliami Kikau, as we've mentioned before, he won the Matt Singh Award earlier, uh, joint with Roger Tuovasa-Shek uh, for Tri-Saver of the Week. His Tri-Saver against the Storm was fantastic, but is it the very best you've ever seen? And if it isn't, what is Kieran? I, I At the time, I thought it was, um, but then I, I had to remember back to all the Tri-Savers that I could remember and that i have seen and i had to say i have to say that minicello's on murdoch masilla is still my favorite from quite a few years ago um it was a sunday afternoon at leichhardt which leads me to believe it's probably gus's favorite too given his affinity <laughs> with the tigers <laughs> tigers playing on a sunday at leichhardt but it, it was a brilliant one-on-one -on -one steal that, that even had the commentators stumped as they called the try uh, you can hear sterlo and uh rabs i think it is calling a try and then they're like oh no he's He's stripped the ball and, and Minicello um, gets tackled, unfortunately. Uh, if he had scored off that, it would have been... I would have called it maybe even one of the greatest tries after the way he took the ball off Masilla. Well, there you go. So that's a that's a no. Obviously, a great effort from Kikau, but it's a no from Kieran. Miles, is it the best you've ever seen? Uh, well, uh, no. Um, uh, <laughs> reason being is that I, I think that... Uh, that Olin blew it more than uh, Kikau uh, sort of won the game. He, 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 goodness, he should have passed that ball. But look, harking back to oh. our first ever podcast, one of my favourite try-saving tackles of, of all time was performed by 1997 grand final hero Darren Albert. Um, and I, I think we talked about this at the time, but many forget that the week before, he, he ran from pretty much one, in, one wing to the other to commit um, daylight Robert, grand theft try on, on Matt Sears, I think it was, who... It was almost certain to, to score and, and win the game for the Bears, and but it was not to be. And, and the Knights went through the grand final, and, and obviously Albert became a, a hero once again. And, and I might add that he, he, he in robbing that try, he, he robbed us of, I think, what was probably our best chance to see a Bears-Seagulls grand final. Yeah, uh, a, a prelude to uh, the rivalry that would become the Northern Eagles, which <laughs> absolutely should not have been a rivalry. Oh, but, no, before you go uh, Unfortunate. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, 
I, I guess it, uh, it, it begs uh, mentioning, since Kieran uh, brought up Sunday on uh, at Leichhardt, uh, I remember also <laughs> one where I think Benji was, uh, uh, Darren Smith was sliding into score for, for the Broncos and, and Benji landed on top of him and, and as sort of as he was planting the ball down, sort of lifted him up and, and turned him over and, and held him up. That was incredible as well. An incredible show of strength from a, a young Benji Marshall, if memory serves, because Darren Smith was not a small no. centre. Um, look, I've, I've got to agree with you guys. It's not the best I've ever seen. He, I did, of course, give him joint Matt Singer Wood for this week, but I, I think Clint Gutherson managed a bunch last week that were equally impressive. Josh Papali'i last year with the ankle tap on Jamal Fogarty. Dylan Brown chasing down Wiggins with brilliant tackles from behind on the reg. Scott Sattler with the covering tackle on Todd Byrne in the 2003 grand final Jamie Ainsco on Craig Smith in the 1990 grand fi- <laughs> 1999 grand final where he chops him in maybe not that one never mind uh, <laughs> look it was an it was an excellent uh, try saver from Kikau but best ever I fall short of personally thank you both very much for covering the news with me let's jump into a short musical interlude leading into the halftime break where we'll hear from my other podcast Pretty Fly a 90s nostalgia podcast and we discussed who is our favourite not very good player back soon if you can't get enough of Seinfeld overalls with one of the straps undone the Chicago Bulls winning championships and the Brisbane Broncos being a good team, then it's a pretty good bet you love the 90s. If you do, you should tune in to Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, which is brought to you by the We Made This Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Bo Nicholson, and the founder of the Pioneer Australia, Daniel Lang. It's a conversation podcast where we discuss the pop culture icons of our favourite decade, Season 1 is ready to listen to right now, with Season 2 arriving soon. Search for Pretty Fly, a 90s nostalgia podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Alright, welcome to the Halftime Entertainment. This week, we are discussing our favourite not very good player from the past or the present. Could be up, it's completely up to you. I'm going to start with you, Miles. Who is your favourite not very good player? (laughs) Well, look, I, I couldn't land on, on just one, so I've got about four or five here that I, I just want to give a shout-out to. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, Dylan Farrell. Um, I, I'm not sure if you remember this guy. He was, uh, I think, Rabbitohs and Dragons. He, I always thought he had a, yeah. a, a fair bit of talent and sort of seemed to, to fizzle out a bit, as, as some players do. Uh, Terence Terence Siu. We, we all remember this guy, obviously, from the, um, yes. the fantastic, uh, um, I, I think, the fantastic 12-man um, uh, bits or podcasts or whatever it was. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. A short time hooker, I think, for the Sharks, and, and I think he played for the Seagulls as well. Actually, um, uh, he was always fun to watch and can throw a punch as well as it as it turns out. Um, <laughs> another another of those centers that I, I thought had a bit of talent but but seemed to disappear was Brad Ty. Uh, he he played for the, yeah. the Knights, the Panthers, and I think another team, maybe the Eels or something. But um, yeah, he again just sort of. Uh, uh, signed his last contract without even knowing it, really, um, and, and disappeared. Maybe he went to England, I'm not sure. And uh, another one, uh, Matthew Keating, who was, uh, of course, the younger brother of uh, Bulldogs grand final, oh, Chris. Uh, Chris Keating. Um, but he he, yeah, he, yeah. he racked up, I think, about 200 games for the Eels without even, you know, really mentioning, <laughs> ever mentioning it among their best players on any given day. So, um, you know, I like those sort of, uh, those, those interesting players from the past who, you know, what one day they play their last game and you you never even notice, really. One that comes to mind, we've mentioned, you talk about that very first podcast we did was Scott Fulton. <laughs> <laughs> Just an absolute ham and eggs player. <laughs> as ham and egg as they came. Uh, thank you for that. That was a, a nice little walk down memory lane. Kieran, um, you and I, I think, have both chosen Cowboys, as it turns out, if you stuck to the same. I part. have. Um, I have a second one, but I went with Rocket Rod Jensen, who was a, fa- a fan favourite and um, great for a cover tackle. And I just loved watching this guy. He had agility, explosiveness whenever he found himself in space, and you always knew what you were getting from him, which was um, 80 minutes of effort, and he would always put his body on the line. And I also have to give a shout-out to Kevin Kingston, I think is his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sharks and Panthers. Yes, yeah. I thought he was, I think it was 2009 or 
there was a season there where he had a, a pretty freakish season, and uh, I really enjoyed watching him. Yeah, he did have a good year there, but for the most part, a bit of a ham and eggs player, to use Miles' expression from <laughs> uh, the previous podcast. Mine I, is, uh, I, I is a ju- personal... Sorry, can I quickly yeah, jump in with a, a Rod Jensen anecdote? Sure. Uh, and, and please, listeners, uh, feel free to prove me wrong. I think last player who... Well, uh, last player to play for the Adelaide Rams to, to to play the longest in the league, if you know what I mean. So I think he what, retired ah. like 08, 09, Rod Jensen. He, he was the last Adelaide, yeah. Adelaide Ram in the league. Huh. Ah, just ramming on. Yeah, hey, good on your rocket. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was a former former like winger and centre, if memory serves. And then the Cowboys sat there and said, "You're not good enough for that. We'll throw you in the back row and on the bench." And uh, and you know he he was serviceable. He went to a grand final and lost that. Uh, another bloke that went to that 2005 grand final and and a bit of a ham and eggs type, if you will, ham and eggs in the sense that he probably has brains that are ham and eggs. <laughs> it is a family favourite in my household, Shane Tronk, or as he is commonly known around these parts and in my friendship groups, the Tronkosaurus Rex. Uh, the ju- the dude was a giant plodding waste of energy. People thought he was good because he had a high work rate. So I decided to sit down with my younger brother, Tim, a few weeks and track his stats. Uh, NRL stats would give him, say, let's call it 34 tackles in a game. He had this big work rate, you know. Uh, Tim and I were a bit more harsh than NRL stats. We give him six tackles and 28 tackle assists where he would be the third man in just applying his enormous frame to slow the play down. His, um, his work off the ball, though, was equally impressive with stats like inactive decoys and hands on hips <laughs> being a real highlight uh, among his numbers. Uh, he was a runner-up in 2005, uh, often spoken about for State of Origin honours by idiots who had no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> Trunk retired in 2011 after a brief stint with the Wakefield Trinity team over in the Super League and also the Broncos uh, before turning to a life of crime, supplying steroids and receiving a $1,000 fine from the Townsville Magistrates Court in 2012. So even his crime life was mediocre. (laughs) The good news is I'm confident he didn't take any steroids himself as his performances would surely have been enhanced. (laughs) So so (laughs) I'm just... I'm hoping that uh, that he doesn't listen to mediocre podcasts because he'll probably find me and kick my ass. Um, but that's that's my favourite not very good player. Of course, uh, we say not very good with the most disrespect we can possibly muster. So thank you guys both very much. Uh, let's have a short little break and we'll head into the second half where we analyse the round four fixtures coming up. So, uh, sorry, I'm still laughing about Shane Truck. Let's let's head back into the second half where we analyse the upcoming round of football. Miles, I'm going to ask you to kick us off on Thursday evening with the Seagulls and the Panthers, please. Uh, yes, and uh, I promise not to take up too much of your time because um, I, I think this is a pretty obvious one to to most viewers. Uh, I think perhaps the worst worst of all about the Seagulls team is how poor they are in defence, and, and that's not going to be uh, that's not going to play well at all against the Panthers. Obviously, uh, I think uh, in all honesty, I think Manly could be staring down a, a twenty or thirty point loss here. So I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to go for the the Panthers. I am too, and I'm very curious to see how Matt Burton does at left centre um, with Stephen Crichton at fullback. Mm. I think that's going to be very interesting. Certainly worth a watch. Kieran, you said that uh, Delhi Cherry Evans could drag the worst Queensland team to victory in a series over New South Wales, just to bring that up for miles again. <laughs> Do you think they, that he can drag the Sea Eagles to an unlikely victory here? Uh, no, no chance. Um, he did it last year. Hopefully he does it again this year for the Maroons, but he won't be doing it for the, the Sea Eagles against the Panthers on Thursday night. The last time they met was round 12 last year, 42-12 to 12 victory to the Panthers at looks on the cards uh so let's go forward to our next match which is on friday i think around in the afternoon yeah 305 p.m uh 
from actually four oh five Sydney time uh, at from Stadium Australia in Sydney. It's the Bulldogs and the Rabbitohs. If you could please, Kieran. Yeah, from memory, I should have looked this up and gone through the draw, but from memory, the Bulldogs actually give themselves against the Rabbitohs even when they aren't uh, in the, the best vein of form or have the best team against the, a, a good Rabbitohs team, and that's the case um, on Friday afternoon. Uh, in saying that, I can't see the Bulldogs springing up uh, a surprise as they did last year, 26-16 in round 19 of 2020. I think this is going to be a, a similar game to Seagulls-Panthers, as I would assume you guys probably do too. I've got um, the Rabbitohs winning by 20 or 30 points as well. Yeah, Miles, that's probably a pretty safe bet. Yeah, I, I think we need to tip the margin for this game for, for NRL.com tippers. No, I'm going to go with about 20 points. So, yeah, it could be a, a similar one. I think I had 18. It was, um, yeah, a bit of a um, bit of a shellacking there. I'd, sorry, Kira, what, oh, what was your margin? I've got 26 points. At the moment, yeah, twenty six. Yeah, that's probably it's probably not that brave to be honest. Like that's that sounds like the Broncos beat them by twenty four or something, didn't they? So it's like if anything, Miles and I are going big unders. Yeah, <laughs> Look, I I do have to mention though, in a year that didn't provide me a lot of joy football wise, uh, apart from that State of Origin victory that we keep mentioning for some reason. Sorry, Miles. Um, as a Cowboys fan, it was a tough year, but that. Round 19 victory from the Bulldogs over the Rabbitohs that pretty much cooked the Broncos uh, for the wooden spoon. That was al dente. That was one of my favorite <laughs> memories. But yes, no, I do have the do have the Rabbitohs winning quite comfortably. I've got the next game, which is uh, at eight o'clock from Amy Park, uh, and it has been confirmed it will go ahead from Amy Park. It's between the Storm and the uh, potentially lockdown affected Broncos. Ryan Pappenhausen is back for the Storm. Payne Haas is back for the Broncos, but I don't care. That's about <laughs> it. The Storm will win by plenty. That's I just don't have anything to add to that. Kieran, do you? Yeah, Pappenhausen. See anything for back. the Broncos here? Uh, nothing for the Broncos. I don't see anything for them. But Pappenhausen's back for the Storm. I think the signs are ominous. Especially after they lost two games in a row, you would not want to be the Broncos at the moment, Miles. Uh, no, you, you wouldn't want to be the Broncos at all. I, I think this could even be a third 20-point victory in a row to uh, the winning team here. Yeah, I th- it's one of the easier rounds to tip, although there are a couple of little curveballs maybe later on in the round. I don't suspect we have one here, though, Miles, with the Sharks and the Cowboys on Saturday. Ah, uh, look, uh- a few different ways you could look at it, but I, yeah, I'm not going to look at it as a curveball either. Um, <laughs> the Sharks, uh, <laughs> sorry, guys. Um, no, obviously the, the Sharks are, are settled into the season. They, um, they I think they're going to continue this sort of you know, workman-like, but uh, still impressive start to the uh, the year. Um, and, and the Cowboys, they absolutely haven't settled into the season, unfortunately. And and to make matters worse, maybe you guys can provide the statistics on this one, but. I'm pretty sure North Queensland's pretty pretty terrible when it comes to uh, suburban Sydney fields. Um, so, and again, this one's at uh, at Shark. But oh no, sorry, it's not. It's at um, at uh, Netstrata Stadium, um, the the Dragons' home ground, while the the Sharks one undergoes some some renos. But yeah, I, I'm pretty sure they they they've not got a good track record at those sort of uh, smaller fields. Um, yeah, I've just googled the stats for that one and. Um yeah, it says this, the not effing good. It says. Um, so, so um, yeah. Look, the Cowboys. I, I would love to tip them here. I may have even in the tipping competition, but I don't think I did because they just haven't shown me enough yet. Um, so I, I would like to see some more from them before I start tipping them. Um, so the Sharks for me, Kieran. Do you hold some hope? I do not, and I, I side with the 91% on NRL.com that have tipped the Sharks. 91%? Jeez, are we that team now? <laughs> like, we're the 9% team. Goodness. That's been, that hasn't been a fall from grace. <laughs> uh, there's actually a doubleheader happening because of uh, COVID restrictions. The Titans do not have a home game this week, or they do, but they're playing it at Net Strata immediately after that game. It's against the Raiders. And Kieran, if you could provide some insight, that would be delightful. Yeah, so I thought the Raiders, at least in that that first half, they had a bit of a fade out in the second half against the Warriors, but they showed a bit more uh, of the signs that I thought they would. 
um, this season. I know that they were going for three and zero, but their um, two wins before that were not quite as impressive as I'd hoped they would be, um, or what had foreseen for them. Uh, I think that they'll be much better again on uh, Saturday uh, when the game's played. And I, I haven't, as I said, I haven't been too impressed with the Titans. I think that this will be a Raiders win. In saying that, I, I'm still. I've said that the Raiders don't quite have that big game mentality, and I think they have a bit of complacency, which is why they've had somewhat of a slow start to the season with that they could have lost against the Sharks as well and they would be one and two so I, I do have the Raiders but I think it'll be close I have the Raiders I don't think it'll be too close I, I like the Titans I like them for the eight this year I don't think they've been really tested by a good team yet I consider the Raiders to be that good team and I think they'll get that job done fairly well Miles what do you think well, I, I too think the Raiders will get the job done, but I, I'm predicting a close one, actually. I, I think the the Titans will be out to make a statement, and I think that it, it could be in the vicinity of the, even a one-score game. Very cool. Well, that would be that would make for a good game. I hope we get to see that. Um, there's only the two games on a Saturday, to my knowledge, because I've got the next game, which is on a Sunday afternoon from Newcastle. It is between the aforementioned Knights and the St. George Illawarra Dragons, who... They both have uh, two and one records at the moment, so they're both doing pretty well. I'm actually really intrigued by this one. Uh, as I mentioned before, I haven't been as in love with the Knights' form as some others have been, and they were really disappointing against the Tigers. Blake Green on the bench is an interesting in for me, um, with Kurt Mann starting at 5'8 still. Uh, I don't really know how they're going to make that work. I-, I guess they might be just just bringing him back slowly, slowly from that significant leg injury, uh, maybe give him 20 minutes or something to try and get the speed of the game. But this is a game they really should be putting away, so I'm not sure if they can waste a bench spot there. Um, Maybe he's there to right the ship if it starts to sail adrift, so I'm not really sure. Uh, The Dragons have well exceeded the expectations of most so far, but as, as you mentioned, Kieran, earlier, Ben Hunt is not there this week, could be out for a little while. I expect that could have a debilitating effect on their chances. So I've got the Knights, but not in a runaway victory. Kieran, who do you have? I've got the Knights as well. And for the same reason, I haven't really been too convinced by them, but because the Dragons are without Ben Hunt, who not only has he found his confidence, but I think he's instilled a lot of of confidence in the Dragons' side. Um, I don't quite think that'll be enough, but I I could see that the Dragons sneaking it, but I'm going to tip the Knights. I'm really sad for Ben Hunt, actually. I'm not one of those sick, perverse Cowboys fans that takes pleasure in the fact that he dropped that ball in that grand final because he was a he was a wonderful player that year for the Broncos, and he didn't deserve that. Um, so I, when he's starting to hit great form, he's the captain, and he's now injured, I, I feel a bit sorry for him, and it could really derail their season. Miles, uh, who do you have between the Knights and the Dragons? Uh, look, just a riff on Ben Hunt as well with you guys. Uh, I, I've certainly not been his biggest fan. I, in fact, I'd, I'd go as far as to say I don't quite like him, but um, credit to him, he has responded quite impressively to um, being named captain. You know, uh, heavy hangs the crown sometimes, but he's uh, completely surprised me. But uh, maybe that's exactly why I'm tipping the Knights because, um, yeah, as you said, no Ben Hunt. And um, I don't know. I just I think the Knights are a little bit too classy for for two shockers at home in a row. So, yeah, I'm tipping the Knights and uh, fairly safely, uh, although Ben Hunt certainly could have swung my vote. And uh, I just I want to give credit where, where it's due there. I thought he, making him captain was a terrible idea, but Kieran, oh, you nice. thought that was a positive at the, at the preseason. So, uh, so credit <laughs> to you, Kieran. He has lived up to your uh, hype. Uh, but we'll move forward to what I think is a very interesting game between the Roosters and the Warriors also on Sunday, if memory serves. Yes, it's Sunday evening at the Sydney cricket ground. Miles, um, the Roosters are decimated in the halves. Uh, yes, they are. They're decimated most places actually, but um, uh, particularly in the halves. Um, uh, look, I, I look, I guess I look at this one as similar to that, uh, that, that Titans Raiders game as being, Perhaps closer than than uh, than some may first glance at it, but I, I and not with a great amount of confidence. I'm still tipping the Roosters. Um, I, I really, um, I, I really, I don't, oh, I don't hate it, but I, I really am um, not very high on this halves combination they're coming up with. I'm sure Walker's going to be a great player, but 
game one and, and he's been asked to helm a, uh, a team that's uh, shooting for a premiership, it, it's a big ask. And I think there could be a lot of teething unless he's just one of those uh, generational talents that um, gets it right from the, the first kickoff. But, uh, you know, the, the, the Warriors are in with a big chance here. They, they could really uh, steal one. And, and one of those games that would be important for them to win as a, as a team on the, the, the bubble of the eight. But I think it's just going to probably slip out of their grasp, and I'm going to tip the Roosters. All right. Kieran, where do you land on this one? Yeah, I, I think, too, that the Roosters really are one of those really uh, proud teams, not to say that other teams aren't, but they have that mental edge where they, they want to compete for every minute of every game, and they do. Um, they don't just say it. They actually do it, um, and that's kind of ingrained in them at the moment. I, I kind of agree with Miles that the game could slip away from the Warriors just at the end, and uh, I've got the Roosters probably just edging this one. I'm looking at the two teams, and to be honest, the the matchups are remarkably similar. Like a much weakened halves pairing, the Warriors probably have the edge there. They both got pretty average ham and eggs <laughs> hookers, if you will. Uh, they both got world-class fullbacks, um, really excellent wingers, big wingers, uh, great front row rotations, two excellent locks. I think the advantage the Roosters have on paper is in the centers and in the edge back rowers. Um, so that's why it's perplexing that I'm tipping the Warriors. So, <laughs> so, um, this is a little like peel behind the curtain as to why Bo is coming last in the tipping competition. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so Warriors for me um, in what would be an upset, definitely. Um, but I, I, I like the Warriors. I think if they win this game, it won't be like an announcement that they are the real deal per se, but I think it'll be a big step in that direction. Kieran, you've got the last game, which is on Monday, because it's Easter Monday coming up. Uh, very exciting. I hope everyone gets lots of chocolate if you believe in that sort of stuff, um, which, of course, is religion and getting fat. Um, so, <laughs> Kieran, if you could walk us through the Easter Monday special, which is the West Tigers... And the Parramatta Eels. Who do you think is going to get the chocolates, if you will? Uh, I'll say straight up, I think the Eels are going to win. Uh, I've been massively impressed with them this season. The way that they uh, came back mm. in the second half against the Broncos. Um, I, as I said before, that had a real finals intensity to it. Um, and I was really impressed with the, the way a few of uh, the whole season so far, that the way that Mahani, Moses... Uh, have gone to another level. I think even Gutherson, Paulo and ICG have picked up their game a few, another few notches and then I, I wax lyrical about Marata Niakore in my uh, wildcard award. I just think that the Eels have a bit too much class for the Tigers who, at the moment, it looks like um, maybe Tamo has had a bit of an uh, influence on this, but it looks like maybe they're a bit more together this season, um, have a bit more of a togetherness. Um, I, I like James Roberts for the Tigers as well. I think he's been decent enough uh and they've got a better side than last year i think i, I think moses and is getting moved on now um but as i said i just think that the eels have gone to another level i think they'll be too good i want to echo your sentiments about james tamo there's something that i, I noticed in round two and it, it's been well documented but not the james tamo bit uh, when the roosters made a break against the tigers down the tigers left edge which is the Leilua squared edge and they just turned and barely chased they kind of walked really jogged and then walked while Morris kicked in fields for Tedesco to score and everyone has been lambasting those two players particularly Joey Leilua about that but I don't reckon they copped it anywhere near as bad as what I saw in the corner of the screen which was James Tamo further in field pointing at them directly and blowing up deluxe and that's the kind of thing that is going to turn around a culture uh having a guy that you know really sets that standard uh so the tigers are heading in the right direction to a 20 point loss to the eels this week <laughs> miles do you agree uh not entirely i, I am tipping the eels but um i i I don't know. I, I don't think it'll be quite that bad for the Tigers. I, I'd, I'd struggle to think that they'll be um, in, in match-winning form two weeks in a row, but I, I think they'll be keen to prove that last week wasn't uh, an aberration. I've seen a lot saying that it was the Knights that lost that one, and, and maybe they did, so 
I think they'll be out to, to sort of prove those haters wrong, but I, I don't think they'll <laughs> quite lose by 20, maybe 10 points, I'd say. All right, well, uh, we'll see how that goes. The Eels only won by four points last time they played, so that speaks some truth into what you're saying. Let's head into Golden Point. The scores are level. I need one last-ditch effort to get this one over the line, guys, and I want your bold predictions. I want you to throw the speculator cut out pass, ignore the fact that Valentine Holmes is rushing out of the line on the wing. I want you to throw it over his head to your unmarked winger. Can you give me a bold prediction for round four, please, Miles? Look, uh, the NRL.com is reporting that uh, Xavier Coates, uh, Broncos winger, in no rush to re-sign with the Broncos, which I'm sure doesn't surprise anyone. I don't think any of his teammates would probably be in a rush to re-sign with the Broncos, but... <laughs> Um, I think that the young Origin wing can spell a, a big contract coming up, and I think potentially with a, a team willing to pay him fullback money even. Um, and I, I also think he'll be keen to show uh, a storm head coach, Craig Bellamy, who uh, I'm sure we, we, we all know that there's a, a lot of uh, admiration between those two. Um, I think he'll be keen to show him out just how good he is. So I think he'll score multiple tries on Friday night, two, three, maybe even four if you want. Um, as the Broncos return to the losers column. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, how many tries is he going to score in a losing team? <laughs> uh, that would be impressive if he managed to score like eight tries and they lost the game. That would be a monster special. Um, all right, so Kieran, what's your bold prediction for round four? I've got one that we've we've heard before, but I've got the, the lead in the uh, Roosters-Warriors game will change hands four times and the Roosters will win. All right, cool. So uh, you've got Xavier Coates scoring multiple tries in what is probably a loss to the Storm for the Broncos. You've got the Roosters and Warriors lead changing four times with the Roosters, of course, retaining that lead at the end. And I have the kind of the opposite of yours, Kieran. I have Cody Nikarima will have at least two try assists in a Warriors victory over the Roosters. Uh, I don't care how many times the the lead changes. Uh, I just want <laughs> two try assists from Nikarima uh, in a victory over the Roosters. And that will make me a happy, happy boy. Uh, so... Guys, thank you very much. I think we got the points. We got the chocolates. Well done. Uh, chocolates as we head into Easter, of course. This is just terrible punning going on here. Like, just please shut me up. <laughs> as always, guys, thank you very much for your time. Uh, and go the Cowboys. Go Ireland. Go we Ireland. beat England in the Six Nations a week ago, I think it is now, or a week and a half ago. Oh, okay. I, I don't know anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> Miles, who are you going for this week? Ah. Uh, you know what? Let's 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 go with Go Island and Go Cowboys. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, Miles the crowd pleaser. Thank you very much. There's a full time siren. Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. The Above the Horizontal panellists are Miles Stedman and Kieran Gibson, and it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson. <laughs>